previously on Quantum Kickflip. Are you gonna be an asset this time, or are you gonna be a liability? I will do better. I'm gonna hold you to that, Trev. I may not feel this way, but Gabor, he really liked you. And he was real heartbroken when you did what you did. But it seems like you and that chip have reunited again. Let's hope it stays that way. There was a period of time where your commitment to the Arborist seemed seriously in question. There's a night and day difference. I got tired of people turning their backs on me, and maybe the only people who haven't turned their backs on me at one point or another are you all here. Just trying to pay some of that kindness back, I guess. It's not too late, Bolton. If we get back to trading, I'm sure we'll be the cream of the crop. Let's get to it. I didn't realize you were a variable as well. Yes. What did you do to earn such a distinction? It was assigned to me. I I guess it's nice to know that someone else is experiencing the same thing I am. And he, like, reaches out and touches uh, Sequence's hand. We want to sort of set up Post Host as the delivery service with you as the heart. Of course, this does mean that you need to be on call. We need you, and you're there. People are calling you the hero of Lansdowne. Whoa. open in the same nondescript kindred office where Gabor and Hattie met so long ago to discuss the fate of Trev 4 and Gold Star Disaster. This time, however, they are sitting on the same side of the desk, facing a tablet that has been set up with a video call. The camera of the tablet is off, and from the other side, a gravelly voice speaks. All right, let's hear your progress report. Gabor smiles casually. Things have been progressing as we've hoped. The towers are each positioned to be more amicable to each other. This next step will be crucial to our success. That's not the only thing that's crucial. What's going on with these kids of yours? Are you genuinely telling me they haven't been a thorn in our side? Hattie speaks this time. They've proven to be immensely helpful to our cause. They make a pretty good symbol for tower harmony. Plus, they've helped us acquire some valuable assets. Gabor steps in. Of course, we continue to keep tabs on them, which has been quite easy. Well, good. But I don't want you to get complacent. Make sure we get what we need from them. From what I see, there are some assets that you've been sleeping on. Hattie takes a breath and straightens up. We'll get whatever you need, boss. Just say the word. Good. But be careful. We can't afford to have anything go wrong at this juncture. You find yourself in a pleasant dreamscape, though with your logic binder equipped, you are much more lucid than the last time you were here. The sky is a silvery blue that extends all around you, and in front of you, a ribbon of deep purple grass undulates and rustles peacefully. 
It took you a while to get to Empyrean. You stumbled on the Thin Zone from Prismatia the first time, and even when you found the same coordinates, you had to wait a while for the Thin Zone to get just thin enough to punch through. Now that you're here, you must carry out the mission presented to you. Find a Thin Zone from Empyrean directly back to Operablum. You're not alone. Standing next to you, looking somewhat out of place in his muted work uniform, is Shamb. Gabor had assigned both of you to map portal routes. It was just that important, he had said. You need to find that thin zone. What do you do first? Uh, so Trev4 is immediately engaging with his omniscience aperture, mm-hmm. um, as well as you know his realmware lens to see energy fields, invisible entities, in-depth biometrics, uh, acts as a space-time ammeter that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what he's doing, just like slowly walking forward, scanning everything thoroughly. It seems as though that this should be an easy job for me, because I'm a Trevor unit, and I am very good at this kind of thing. Sham, I hope you are there to uh, look out for myself, make sure that I don't get attacked by anything, because I'm going to use all of my focus in order to find a portal zone. Yeah, no, you're the you're the best there is to what you do, Trev, and what you do is find portal zones. That's why you're the only man for the job there, Trev. You're the only guy... What we can count on to do this. I'm just here to back you up, you know, make you look good. How do you, you and your kids wear these damn things and, and sham like fidgets with his logic binder? <laughs> like he's like, it, that feels like my, my cones and my eyes are sweating. Is that supposed to happen? I don't, oh, he, he's like fussing with the headset. Um, but he's like, that, that's why you're here, Trev. You're, you're top of the, top of the crop. Please do not mess with that logic binder. Otherwise, it will be a bad time for you. But I must compliment you on your encouragement of me. That's a really good sign. Perhaps you too could be a Trev unit. Oh, yeah, could be. I I aspire to that one day, that's for sure. And he's (laughs) digging something out of his ear. (laughs) Uh, I would like to use intuition. (laughs) Ooh, okay. (laughs) Uh, You can always tell uh, who likes and dislikes who, what someone uh, really wants. And if someone's vibes are off, uh, just a little... Uh, Yeah, I will say that your uh, intuition does kick in. Uh, Sham's vibes do seem to be a little bit off. And you're beginning to suspect that maybe he doesn't want to be a Trev unit. <laughs> uh, this is all in his like coding and like, yeah, like yeah, logging, yeah. <laughs> just like, hmm, peculiar, peculiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to be? He will chalk it up to the fact that, oh, it's the logic binder. Like, you know, this is Imperium. That's, <laughs> that's silly otherwise. <laughs> well, uh, and I start going forward, checking uh, for any. Portal zones. Yeah, I think your Realmware lens is going to be the thing that's going to be more helpful here. So for engaging your Realmware lens, it does say right in the trait, we will need a roll. Okay. I'm going to add a die, and I'm going to add a, a kick uh, from my visor. The kick being like I'm hoping to get a nice wide, uh, in case it's not nearby, hopefully I get a direction. Sure. I do get a six. Oh! Okay. Why don't you tell me what the area looks like where you find this uh, thin zone? So Trev4 is scanning and he sees in the distance, you know, there's like this whole path that leads there. The thin zone is like weirdly out in the middle of space. Like there is no land directly to it. Uh, But Trev4 is like scanning, like looking around like, well, my rocket legs can't get me that far. I need some kind of thing. But uh, Trev is able to kind of map out, 
oh, but if I jump from this one to this one to this one and it spirals, you know, like... Uh, oh, like uh, bits of the ribbon are yeah. like almost segmented off uh, and branching yeah. off and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, there's okay. like other ribbons that he can go to, but it's going to require going up and up and up and then he's going to have to dive down towards the portal hole. The problem is... Uh, the one uh, risk that uh, pops up is that there seemingly is nothing underneath it. Underneath the portal. Yeah, it, like you're going to have to like punch through it and hit it. If you don't, right. you are going to be drifting out into like empty Imperium space. Thank you so much for giving me complications. Like as a GM, <laughs> it's just like yum 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 yummy. I had to do no work. Yeah, I, I j- look. I'm just hoping that. This is a trade-off later that you go oh, nice, okay. nice and soft and gentle and okay. lovely. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have found this thin zone, and quite quickly, you must be pretty proud of yourself, Trev. For indeed, and uh, Trev uh, like lifts uh, his finger, uh, his thumb up, and he's. This has been a thing that he's been doing recently, and he's like, "No, Trev, I do a good job." And he puts it on his like own shoulder, so it's like his like. A gold right star? Yeah, gold star onto his shoulder. And so there is like a small collection of stars that he has started collecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he does peel them off because he's like, oh, I might get caught. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he, he does kind of scratch it off and then the scrubber bot gets the rest of the glue or whatever. But, okay. Yeah. yeah. But for, for now, he's got a gold star. He's got a gold star. A yeah. Uh, how's Sham feeling about uh, finding this thin zone in relatively short order? Oh, yeah. Oh, look at look at that. You, you did it. That's the one we need. But damn, that's so damn far away. We'd have to jump up over all those things you know i we could try to jump but i mean i don't i don't got rocket legs like you i i mean i think this like little patch of meadow that we're floating on here and i think they're on like almost like a mario galaxy like circle mm. uh, oh, like, like an orb that they're just like big enough for two people to kind of stand on yeah <laughs> i don't i feel it feels like it's just kind of kind of feel like it's just kind of drifting i bet if we just you know like wait it out it'll drift us over there in no time well, sometime, a, a, a bit of time, but like, I don't, I don't know where to be. Do you got anywhere to be? I do not. I just need to accomplish this. Hmm. Sure, I'm just saying, like, if we just, like, like you can feel, like, let's just hold still for a second. See, we move like an inch. It'll take, like, half an hour to get over there. Hour tops. Where I do we- not sense that we are drifting closer. Oh, sure we are. And he's, Sham's, like, waving his hand behind him, like, trying to get, he doesn't understand how the gravity works here. He's, like, trying <laughs> to get a little, like, kick going, or he, he's like, oh, hang on, he, like, Gets holds on to this orb that you guys are on like a boogie boy. <laughs> no, I, I, it's moving. It's moving. Don't worry about it. And I'll say mm. it's maybe like almost feels like it's rotating on an axis to you, Trev. Four, uh, it's, but it's not. It's not a forward thrust. It's just mm. yeah, no, it's just rotation. Yeah. Hmm. You know, if you are afraid to continue forward, perhaps I can go get to it, and then perhaps if you are unable to follow me, you can take one of the alternate paths back. Uh, Champ turns around and did. Uh, d- there is a completely reasonable, like, rainbow meadow path back to where they came from. That's, <laughs> that's not tumultuous. And he's like, I mean, I suppose so. I just, you know, I'm, wor- I'm worried about you. Even someone as uh, the, uh, whip smart and capable as you. That's a lot of floating chunks of rainbow dandelions to jump across. Mm. Indeed. Well, can, can that marshmallow cloud even hold you? Sometimes you need to have confidence in yourself. And I am pretty confident that I am able to do this. Okay, well, I mean, uh, if you think you can do it, then d- I, all the power to you. But I, I literally, if you if you trip and fall down into the abyss, I literally couldn't save you even if I wanted to. Hmm. Uh, at this point, the sky has shifted to sort of this like pale wheat yellow. 
uh, color. The ground is like kind of moving in between like an emerald green and then occasionally it gets like a maroon tone to it, just sort of rippling through. You see the thin zone clear as day in your space-time ampimeter. And uh, as Sham alluded to, there are a few different uh, sort of obstacles. It's not as easy a path to get to the thin zone. And also, as you, Dave, so graciously gave to me, Mm -hmm. uh, you see sort of a a spiral of a ribbon go up, and then you see it sort of like change almost like shape and direction, like it's kind of waving around like a little tendril, so it seems like the footing of it is weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a marshmallow cloud, and it has this like koi-looking face, Mm -hmm. and you can't tell if it's like koi, like, I'm just a cloud, and this is what I look like, or if it's like... I got something. I got something bad in store for you. Uh, right. So you kind of can't. Your intuition can't pick up because it's a cloud. It's not a person. Um, so there's that. Uh, there is a, a little field of like dandelions, uh, flowers that sort of ascend up in a staircase. But your realm where lens does pick up the frolic field, uh, where if you go through that field, you will be compelled to frolic, and that might throw off your trajectory a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so so go ahead and map out. How you're going to get into this? Uh, so there's get like to this mu- thin zone. There's multiple options. There's, kind a, of- there's a few options, but they all seem kind of equally precarious. That cloud seems very friendly. Perhaps uh, that it will be a benefit to us. We should go that way. And it points at the cloud. Uh, uh, where I'll have to like you know jump off it. It's it's interesting because it almost seems like the portals in the middle of these three different things that slowly go up in a like. In mm-hmm. a direction, hmm, and it's right in the dead middle of it. Eh, hopefully, that's fine. Um, I'm such a good game master that I screw myself over, uh, and I am starting to head towards the the end where I can approach this cloud. All right, uh, yeah, let's get a roll to see how uh, a diving off this cloud, I guess, goes for you. So. I get onto the cloud. I'm, I'm using my heavy-duty uh, servos, right? So I can. Mm. Uh, this will be what I'm engaging, and I'm going to throw on another die onto that. Am I having to help Sham do this? Uh, is is he coming with me, and I'm like going to grab his hand or whatever? Um, like you, you Sham seems like a pretty capable guy to you. But okay. if you want to guarantee that nothing will happen to him, I I would accept a kick. Okay, uh, I'll throw in a kick from my attitude. Uh, that's a two and a five. Okay, so with the five, we have a mixed success. So I think I'm gonna have to jump from like the piece of land that I'm on, gonna use it as like a little trampoline to then boost myself, like it just like boing, uh, uh, up and up. So I'm going, jump, land on the cloud, it springs me up, and I'm looking to uh, go up to the next level of platform kind of a thing. Um, uh, I could see it being like maybe a little series of uh, clouds boing, that you're boing. sort of bouncing up. Yeah, and, and each time I'm like bouncing. Hey, Lena, how do these clouds feel about getting bounced on? Yeah. <laughs> Great. They love it. <laughs> they, so cool. There's even a couple. Sham, Sham looks down. He's like, there's a couple. I think they like it too much. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is doing something for them that I can't wait to not be doing this for them. <laughs> you don't want answered. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you will succeed in mm-hmm. punching through this uh, thin zone. Here's what I think I will say. As you sort of alluded to, there are these sort of three uh, uh, different paths that sort of all ascend up surrounding this thin zone. Mm-hmm. And then it's a straight drop down, right. right? You do manage to bounce high enough among these clouds who can't get enough of it. They're having mm-hmm. a great time. And you and Shamp are positioned and you plunge straight down. And it's sort of like a gentle, maybe you like go side to side a little bit like a feather. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, very sort of like It's not pleasant. a hard gravity. It's like a... Until you do break through the thin zone and you feel that moment as you always do of just like that rush of nothing, that moment of suspension. You're not falling, you're not anywhere. And then you are falling. Mm. And all around you are the LED billboards and windows of the three towers of Operablum. And you look down and you see Trinity Mutis Park. And you are positioned directly above the fountain that has been dismantled but you're like a few floors too high so this is gonna be a hard land it's gonna be a hard landing and you're going to take a slam you could also nope it take some trouble i'm suggesting because i always forget that that's an option i always forget that too and you know what? i could probably use trouble uh yes yeah, so trev four is like recalibrating getting used to the different gravity all this stuff is coming into play and he's like he sees what's happening he's get, maybe he's getting used to this thing and he's like uh switching some power around and he's able to come online to like kind of at least uh put his arms and feet out which would be awful for a human Unless that human has heavy-duty servos in place. So just like he crashes hard all four down and break anybody else's limbs, but his hold fast and... Just kind of got like shocks. <laughs> <laughs> just fully <laughs> absorbs it. Yeah. And, and of course, I'm not... I don't think it'll be like shocks. It's just like, it's just hard. And then it... I drive further into the you fountain. You fully dead this fountain. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah, there's a Trev 4 imprint. Imprints. In this fountain going forward. That's correct. Yeah. Can I can I offer how Sham? Yes, please. Nopes it as well. Sham was also like, oh geez, uh, but he's he's a he's a shimmer guy. He's got tricks up his sleeve. Uh, and there's a there's a feature on the on the hard light board that lets you make your board immovable in space. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got those cooked into his like biker boots or whatever kind of boots a guy like him wears. Sure. And he does like a. He, like when you pump the brakes on a bike to stop, he like pop, 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 and he like slows himself down as yeah. he's falling by like stopping himself midair and then releasing it and stopping it and then releasing like it. Like very sudden stops, but yeah. like sequential enough and frequent enough that it's not like a hard. He's not like thing. going yeah. ass over tea kettle on his on his way down. Like like his, it, he's going forward and his legs and shoes are staying in one spot. Yeah, he's just like doing it like. So like anti lock brakes, really? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got he's got anti-lock boots. Love it. Perfect. Uh, so the two of you managed to land in Trinity Municipal Park on floor 198. Ooh. Oh my god. Trav, that was that was incredible stuff. You you never cease to amaze me. Buddy, I look, I gotta tell you, you might be one of a whole line of robots of which there are countless wandering around or operating, but believe me, pal, when I tell you. You are one of a kind. And Trev 4 immediately, like, gives himself another uh, sticker. <laughs> and uh, are you sure you do not want to be an empathy ba- valet? You are very good at encouraging people. Oh, oh 
Thanks, Trev. You know, that that really means a lot to me. Say, this is like a cozy place to hang. Why don't you tell me all about what is involved in being an empathy valet? Someone like me, what would that entail? Indeed. Let me bring up the handbook. Oh, a handbook. I love reading these cover to cover. It is in binary. How long does this take? (laughs) I have to, like, show it to him and initially try to get him to read it. He can't. So then I'm translating and reading it aloud. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It takes... uh, it takes a while, and it's clear like you need to be a robot to be an empathy valet because yeah. you have to. Uh, uh, you see all around you. Uh, some of the lights are starting to shift in the windows of the towers, and you realize that the shift is changing, and you need to get back to the bot shop. I hate to cut our wonderful meeting short, but it is imperative that I get back to the bot shop. Oh, is it shift change already? Oh, geez, where did the time go? Well. As long as we made it to shift change, my job's done. I mean, um, uh, yeah, wow, we, we hung out all the way to shift change. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> so I'd like to use my intuition again. <laughs> you know what? I, I will very much uh, uh, give to you that in this moment, uh, Shamb got what he wanted, mm-hmm. and it was not learning how to be an empathy valet. So Trev Ford just kind of takes that in. Ah, uh, he is lonely. I see. <laughs> Well, just know that if at any time you need to speak to an empathy valley, visit me at the bot shop, and I will definitely be a great listening ear. Yeah, yeah, whatever you say, bud. Thanks for a great shift. Ah, he wants to be an efficient worker and get to his next shift. And then off I go back to the bot shop, just boop, 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 boop. Amazing. You're feeling pretty good. You yeah. know, you uh, accomplished your mission. You got to spend some quality time with your friend Sham. Yeah. It's been yeah. a good day. I, I'm playing the Three's Company theme song of course. In, uh, in my head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will also say that I have opened up a portal zone from Empyrean to Operablum. Uh, I have put it as a one way from Empyrean to Operablum, but it's very dangerous. Nice. Excellent. You make your way to the bot shop. Yes. And, you know, feeling good, riding high. You walk through the door, and immediately everything looks off. You realize that this place has been kind of trashed. And you realize that it's actually been robbed. You go to the counter to find, presumably, Brayton. And he's not there. Mm. And you lean over the counter, and then you see Brayton. And he is shut down and not in a good way. He looks beat to shit. Brayton, system report. System report? System report. And then from the back room, Glenzo emerges. Trev, is that you? Indeed it is. Tell me, what happened? They came in all at once, and and I, I was in the back. I was on my break, so I didn't I didn't see it at first. Brayton was out front, and uh, before I knew it, I, he, he was making a a, a high pitched noise, like a, like a, a high frequency tone that I'd never heard before. And then and then what was what was worse was when it stopped, because I, then I knew something was really wrong. So I came out, and, and they had. They had been trashing the place. They grabbed a bunch of the paperwork. They they roughed me up and... <sighs> Trev, they were asking about you. They said that any recall notices from Kindred had better get lost in delivery. They said they, they, wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't tell us twice. Trev, what have you gotten yourself mixed up in? 
Hey. I... What have those kids been doing with you? You've been out on that contract. That's that's the only people that have been renting you are those kids. What what have they gotten you into, Trev? It's been slug blasting. That that is all. I do not recall what could be the matter with that. Listen, I don't I don't make enough to fight them on this. As as far as I'm concerned, you're 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 on your own with this. Whatever whoever you've pissed off here, whoever you're in trouble with, you're gonna have to figure it out. I'm I'm out. I'm done. I'm not ending up like Brayton. What what do you mean? Uh, I don't get to take breaks now. Who's going to cover my shift when I go on break? That's the only thing I like about this job is the breaks, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> Let me plug back in and I will figure out what to do in the morrow. Right. Plug I am allowed in. to s- stay here. I mean, all they said was was any recall notices better not better not find you. So um I I I think it's best that you do. I I don't I don't know. I don't know what they wanted. I don't know. They they took a bunch of the papers off my desk and Brayton. They I'm going on break and he heads back <laughs> in the background. Trevor analyzing all well, their short employees. I know how to fix this. And he goes and stands behind the thing and takes takes onto that role, unsure of what to do, and starts like kind of tidying up to the point where he's like he may actually like <laughs> stay there too long until he's like pretty much out of power mm. you know it might be even to the point where glenzo has to come out and put him back onto the thing yeah. but it's all like cleaned like mostly cleaned up like if there's any physical damage that's not repaired but he's like done his best to clean it up with the scrubber bots and everything yeah yeah you basically spend the rest of this shift cleaning up the mess that had been made here in the bot shop. Maybe you take Brayton and put him sort of in the in the corner and like uh, uh, reassemble the parts that seem easiest to assemble and try and just keep everything together so that, you know, if and when he gets repaired, everything is all in the same place. And no one comes in <laughs> uh, to the bot shop. Not a lot of people do. No, not a lot of people do. Um, but still, you remain there uh, ever a dutiful employee. Maybelline Zandros, the blazing heat of calorium, this time around, is much more bearable, thanks to your hasware. You're doubled up on protection, in fact. You would put your hasware on under your arborist jacket before you were gifted with a shimmering, thenispartian-shaped field of temperature regulation energy, courtesy of the arborists. You are in calorium on official arborist business. According to Forrester Charmant, this is the last known whereabouts of the Turbodendron, a rare flower that only blooms once every reality. You were excited at first when you were told the properties of the Turbodendron. This flower apparently can trigger planar eclipses and open new thin zones between dimensions, and the nectar is a key property when crafting arborist artifacts like the Untethering Dagger. Your excitement was slightly quashed when you learned more details of the mission. The Turbodendron apparently is still taking root in Calorium, is nowhere near blooming and doing all the cool stuff it's alleged to do, and you are currently on a reconnaissance mission to find where the Turbodendron seedling is growing. You're not alone. You're part of a small contingent of arborists headed by your dorm mate, Sharla. Three other seedlings are part of your party. Two Operablins, named Zazlo and Jexica, and a quiet Venice Spartan named Thrip. 
Together, the five of you are heading towards a massive crumbled cliffside, trails of steam drifting upward from within the crimson rocks. All right, team, so if we can all stay together, that'll be really great. Zazzo, uh, don't go wandering off. Get the car. Swip. And uh, Maeve. And who, who was that? That's, that was That's all of us. That's yeah. all of us. And then, of course, myself, Sharla. Uh, you guys know me. I, I, I'm so, so honored that I could be the one who's leading us on this trip today. I, I can't believe it either. <sighs> and like, Zazlo like looks over at uh, Maeve and Jessica just kind of like rolls his eyes. Just, oh, God. Oh, Jessica rolls them way back and she's not subtle about it. Yeah. That's it, team. Keep looking around. <laughs> if, we, if we keep our eyes active, I'm sure we'll come across well, wherever the turbodendron is taking root. And remember, we're just here on uh, observations, reconnaissance. So uh, you want to take photographs and nothing else. You know, leave, leave, leave only foot, footprints. <laughs> uh, Maeve looks over at, uh, at Zaslo and Jessica and Thrip, was it? Thrip, yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't you guys be excited to be out here? Aren't you? Aren't you three on like a little like poser slug blaster crew? Weren't you? You had like delusions of of being real slug blasters or something. Shouldn't this be like like your best day with the arborist getting to getting to travel to other dimensions and yeah? But we're like cool slug blasters. No, we're- oh my god, we're not slug blasters. And Jessica just like stares at Charla, <laughs> very <laughs> badly covering this lie. Mm-hmm. Charlotte's trying to pick up a small rock, but it's even very hot with her hazard out, and she goes, "Ah, yucky, ooh, yucky, ooh, <laughs> yucky." All right, well, listen, I'm not ratting you out or anything. I just like show a little enthusiasm. We're we're about as far from Operablum as you can get. We're we're trying to find the Turbo Dendron. Yeah, it's not blooming or nothing, but it's why why are you in the Arborist, let alone slug blasting, if you're not stoked to go to other dimensions and do gridge stuff well i mean i i don't care about doing any kind of gridge stuff with and kind of nods over towards charla like look at this kind of loser kind of a look like lay off charla she's twice the arborist any of us will ever be hey team i picked it up oh no it's hot again it's ah yes 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 <laughs> bad example but you know overall overall i'm just saying that there's cooler places to go than calorium which is literally on fire so <laughs> Uh, you all start to approach this big uh, uh, cliffside. I'm kind of picturing like a, a massively, one could even say impossibly high uh, cliff uh, of <laughs> which the rocks have sort of like eroded and tumbled off of it. And so at the bottom of this cliff is just like a big field of like massive, massive rocks. And as you start to approach this rockier terrain, uh, Jessica looks over at Zaslo and is like, okay, can we like, you know... No, whatever. Come on. Uh, yeah, and and Zaslo is like looking down this thing, and just like, hey, we're we're thinking about just zipping over to uh, uh, the big caldera instead. Like, we don't want to go down here. We'll go down to the big caldera, and I hear that there's like like a dragon or something like over there. The Calorium Phase Dragon. You're gonna where? Did someone see a dragon? I'm so scared of the <laughs> idea of that. <laughs> oh. Oh, thank goodness we're supposed to be looking for the ceiling way over across these very flat, safe plains, far from where the dragon was last sighted. Anyway, I'm going to go keep looking at the plains. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is is legendary and not for any good reasons. You guys are going to get yourselves peeled back or worse. I know. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Everybody, we can t- uh, tell everybody about it. We can get pictures with it. Don't you want to move on from like your old team or whatever? Come come join us. I, I don't need to move on from anything. My team is fine, and I'm fine, and you guys are awesome. We're pretty awesome. Yeah, we're pretty awesome. Yeah, look at this. That should be our crew name. Crew awesome. Crew awesome. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. rolls her eyes this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, George, how did my shoelaces get tied together? <laughs> Sure, everybody. I'm just gonna have to bend over Tylee's for a while. Uh, sorry, uh, just I'm give me a second. To Sharla, but seen to everyone else. Uh, Thrip kind of like glitches back and <laughs> just uh, puts puts uh, their hands behind uh, their back, uh, all four of them, and starts whistling casually. Gosh, I can't believe I managed to do this to my shoes again. <laughs> and and uh, this is where I would imagine uh, Jessica and Zazlo just start like we're like keeping eye contact with you, Maybelline, and just kind of like slowly backing away. This is your chance. I have a question. Yeah. I have the ability of Concept Prism. You temporarily split into 3D6 colorful instances of yourself. Uh, They are difficult to control, but tend to act like you would and stay nearby. If I were to mark a kick, like I have to mark one turbo to do it, but if I were to mark an additional kick, could I specify how many of me I want to make? Ooh. Okay, that's interesting. Because I just want, it, it seems to me that Maeve is is being pulled in two directions here and kind of needs to be in two places at once. Uh, and lucky for her, she can do that. That's uh, true. To some degree. Question, one other word that stood out to me, and that is nearby. Ooh. I'm wondering if that affects this at all. Unless there's a kick involved, maybe. I do kind of like this offer, like the the narrative implications of the offer. So I think what I'll say is, I do think there does need to be like, some kind of restriction on it based on the restrictions that are normally baked mm-hmm. into the concept prism. I think this restriction is going to be, yes, I will let you make only one uh, other instance of yourself. And yes, I will let the two of you split off and do your own thing. I think what I will say is you you can kind of go with both of the groups, but you are not going to be able to keep track of the Maeve that you make through this concept prism, right? Like, you're not going to know what she gets up to, what's been happening. Uh, So my question for you at this point is, which Maeve is going where? Ooh. Uh, Maeve Maeve Prime, the the original Maeve, me Maeve, Maeve Classic, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) is going to go with Sharla. Um, But she's going to, if all goes well here... Uh, create a a avatar of herself. She's creating a babysitter is what she's doing gotcha. for these other <laughs> three to just make sure that like if things get too bad uh, or if they get too in over their heads, there's a Maeve there to help them or maybe come rally reinforcements if needed kind of thing. Like worst case, that Maeve can come get this Maeve and uh, yeah, they'll be in trouble with Sharla, but they maybe won't die. <laughs> gotcha. <Yeah. laughs> okay. So go ahead and mark uh, two turbo, one of which has to be a kick. And uh, Sharla is still preoccupied with her shoelaces. Wait, is there a fifth shoelace in this knot? What's happening here? (laughs) Uh, So you are able to uh, create this other Maeve uh, with the concept prism and uh, send her off with uh, Crew Awesome, I guess is their name. Yeah, Maeve kind of tries to do this somewhat discreetly. She maybe Mm -hmm. is like... Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. Just, oh, hang on. Wait, is that in the cave there? Is that the, w- one sec, I just got to check. I think I see the, the turbo dandron. And then 
uh, uh, suspiciously different colored Maeve comes back out of the cave and is like, no, it wasn't. Wasn't it? Let's go. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Great. Uh, and then once they've cleared the area, Maeve Prime also exits the cave and heads off after Charlotte. Is like, Charlotte, wait up. Nice. Oh, farts. I, my fingers are all caught in the knot. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me. Can, oh, I, can yeah. I roll to see if I can untie this knot? Maeve, yeah. please, you've got so many more hands than me. <laughs> 1d6. <laughs> It's a five. It's a mixed success. It's a five. Uh, you're able to sort of like untangle it enough that like Sharla can like get her her fingers out of it, but you can't fully untangle it, and so they're just on too tight, and it's really uncomfortable on mm. Sharla's feet. That's her complication. That's Sharla's complication. <laughs> She's taking the slam of uh, squeezed feet. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, Sharla. I, I tried, but you you really got these knotted up somehow. Yeah, I don't know. It happens every once in a while. I, I I can't seem to track what causes it. This is just a hunch, but does it usually happen around Thrip? You know, I'm not really sure. Thrip kind of kind of comes and goes, and it's hard to keep track of them. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, look alive. We got to find this Turbo Dendron, right? Oh, absolutely. Wait. I'm noticing right now. I, I'm not keeping track of Thrip. Where's Thrip? Uh, they decided cool. to head down over, over the ridge there and, and fan out a little bit. Cover more ground. Oh, over the ridge? In, in the direction of the dragon? Just, just, just barely over the ridge. Just along the ridge more than anything. Oh, but I thought we were going to be going over the safe plains, Maybelline. They, they can handle themselves, I hope. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're still around here. Of course. I wouldn't leave you. Oh. Thanks, Maeve. So, maybe what I'll say is, uh, Tarment had also sort of laid this out as, like, a bit of an exercise in testing your affinity with the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And you're you're kind of familiar with this already. In fact, probably more so than the Operablin Arborists. Um, because you had to do quite a bit of this type of work before you even made your allegory to Operablin. It's the reason that you can stay in Operablin and not peel back to Thenispar. You are able to focus and use meditative exercises to essentially keep yourself tethered to a degree to Operablum instead of being yanked back to Thenispar. So because this Turbodendron has these properties that make it so intrinsically tied in with how the multiverse functions, you're kind of using those same arborist techniques that would keep you tethered in Operablum to see if you can sort of find where the Turbodendron is currently tethered in Calorium. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd love to do a roll about it. Yes, please. This is important to Maeve, and the faster they find this, the faster they can, you know, go check up on the others. So uh, mm-hmm. I am going to mark 3d6. Okay. One of which uh, I'm going to take a dare to add so that I don't have to max out all of my resources immediately. Um, so I'm going to be rolling with 4d6, and I've marked a treble about it. A five is my highest. <laughs> a five with 4d6. With your success, you are able to sort of tap into that mental state and are sort of able to almost feel the rhythm of Calorium, feeling what this dimension is like. And it's it's kind of a 
weird feeling because with operablum it's very much you're sort of tied to a place um typically you know from your studies uh, this has thankfully never happened to you Walt and helix would know this intimately when you peel back you peel back to a place of importance to you or of strong familiarity right so when you focus on your extra dimensional tether you're focused on a very specific place, the Assyrian temple. And so you have a very strong sort of affinity with that place just because of your what you've had to study to do to be an operable in, in the first place. Here in Calorium, as you're starting to tap into this feeling and expand out, you start to feel everything on a bit of a broader scale. And you feel the heat of this place, almost to a degree like you would feel it without your hasware, but not in a way that it is too much. It is just right. It is what it needs to be. The dryness of this place, the rockiness of this place, all of this makes sense on a fundamental level that you kind of wouldn't be able to explain if someone asked. You're starting to sort of get a feel of like where reality gets thinner and thicker, and you know that the Turbodendron would be kind of an anomaly. It only blooms once every reality, so that means it is never fully in any one reality for all that long. It doesn't really have a home dimension because it's every dimension. So you're trying to find this thing that doesn't belong because it's nothing and everything all at once. And you feel really, really tuned into it. You're not finding the Turbodendron, unfortunately, which, you know, you can still report back to Tarman and say, yeah, we did our recon. We know that this segment of Calorium, it's not here. So you at least have that information that you can pass on. And before you can sort of continue to, to probe at it and try and find where should you go from here? Is there a certain path that you should follow? You start to sense sort of a disruption. And uh, for the complication of this role, I'm actually going to throw it to Dave and Zaslow. <laughs> so uh, Zaslow uh, has actually found his way to that caldera. Mm, congrats. Uh, thank you. Thank you. We're really good. Yeah, uh, we're so good. Zaslow's <laughs> amazing at this. And like... They can see down below into the caldera, like something that they think is there. Like they can think that they see this tail, what could be a tail. <gasps> and then it kind of like, whoop, it's not there the next second. And then it comes back. <gasps> okay. thing I know I'm going to do. And he picks up a rock. And Okay. Get the camera ready. Uh, yeah. Jessica is, is absolutely streaming. Okay. And um, here we go. We're going to uh, make sure uh, we can really whip this. Now, maybe if uh, Maybelline was actually physically there, but like it's starting to get beyond the range kind mm -hmm. of a thing. And it's like you're you're glitching out and yeah. you, you're not even like a semi-translucent Maybelline is like, guys, I really you know, think we should be doing. Yeah, you, I know. You said something about peelback. It doesn't matter. Peelback's probably not even that bad. All right. Mm -hmm. Here we go. And rocket and dragon. What are you? <laughs> you, you and Zazlo just like, just up and hucks the rock and starts throwing it down there. And what I think uh, uh, Maeve Prime, original Maeve, uh, you you sort of feel this disruption and you kind of come back to your senses and uh, you, you hear running. Yeah. <laughs> and and you see Zazlo and Jessica and Thrip uh, just booking it. Uh, Thrip isn't even trying to be subtle anymore. They are just like glitching up, back in, out, 
in, out, in, uh, just teleporting leaps and bounds uh, ahead of Zaslo and Jessica. At one point, they roll a three, uh, and they just, like, <laughs> blip out, and everyone's like, where did they go? Uh, and then they blip back in, and they have a black eye for some reason, uh, and they have not moved any further in that tra- in that teleport. <laughs> Next to them, uh, like, this other Maeve is running, and... She's like glitched and stuck in the middle of a run animation. So it, like she's just <laughs> her legs sliding. and arms are like up as though she's running, but she's frozen like that. But then it's just sliding along the landscape in a frozen, like you're dragging a D&D mini across a map. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, and I do think that this creature is sort of tailing them. I will say it's not like the Calorium phase dragon, because y'all would be Dunzo, mm-hmm. uh, but it's uh, uh, it's still like pretty big and impressive, and it is the kind of like serpentine dragon that like floats through the air. It's got this like iridescent uh, patterning to its scales, but it is much smaller, um, and its mouth only opens uh, three ways instead of the incomprehensible number of ways that the Calorium Phase Dragon does. <laughs> uh, this is a Calorium Phase Worm. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Maeve, as you see all of this sort of chaos unfolding and all of these guys uh, with their their weir running towards you, something else catches your eye, flying sort of in the same direction towards, and it looks like it's on a trajectory past you, is a drone. You wouldn't have noticed it at first because it's red in color, much like the landscape of Calorium. It even has some of the glittery effect in its paint that the coals of Calorium have but it is zipping through the air and then zipping sort of past and in your trajectory. What do you do? Waggling worms, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) I think what's going to make the most sense here, Maeve wants to catch this drone. Maeve wants to know what's happening with this. She's not going to be able to let this go. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think... What's going to make the most sense is the hard light upscaling. I was trying to think of like, is it is it a net? Is it a is it a lasso? How am I trying to grab this thing? Yeah. Um, and the thing that just came to mind, you know, those sticky hands you'd get in a, in a <laughs> vending machine for twenty five cents. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Maybe wants to make a hard light sticky hand, sticky hand? <laughs> to try and just whoop and pull it down out of the sky. Let's get a roll. Okay, I am going to mark another d six. I'm going to take another, mark another trouble. I'll take another dare, so that adds 2d6. Uh, so I'm going to be rolling with a total of three. Good God, a four is my best. A four. So everyone's in a bit of a frenzy with the uh, phase worm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> leaving you to be sort of the sole person who has noticed this drone at this point. But you do notice it, and you are able to catch it. A mixed success is still a success. So describe how you catch this drone. Uh, yeah, Maeve uh, engages the hard light upscaling. Uh, as always, uh, glowing golden light emanates from her jacket, and she kind of dials it in the parameters on on the cuff of her jacket. I think she's you know particularly good at making a big hand to uh, come out of her jacket because she's got a lot of reference points she to work does, with. Yeah. <laughs> And you know, top right uh, and bottom right are totally different hands. Yeah, right? exactly. So she's she uh, has plenty of reference there. Um, but yeah, so she kind of throws her arm out as though she's gonna like reach up and and grab this thing, like when you're like crushing someone's head who's really far away or like <laughs> trying to pick the moon out of the sky. She she throws her hand out, but then the sleeve of her jacket extends and extends uh, into this this long, stretchy, sticky hand, and it, it grabs it and pulls it down. Okay. It snaps back, like, with an elasticity to it. Yeah, um, I might even 
throw out there that this giant hard light hand mm-hmm. maybe catches the attention of the phase worm. Nice. And as you sort of reel in quickly, it just sort of like veers in the direction of where the drone was. Okay. And then that buys time for the five of you to sort of like duck behind rocks and kind of get out of its eye line. Um, you pull this drone towards you. It is very well made. You can tell that it is an operablum make. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell that it has recording equipment on it. And before you can do anything further with this drone to try and maybe dismantle it, maybe access its hard drive and, and see what's there, uh, it does a, it, it whirs faster and faster and higher and higher pitched, and then it explodes. Oh, no. Uh <laughs> You're going to you're going to take a slam. Yeah, uh, it's a small slam. I mean, it, it's a it's a little guy that blew up. So initially I was thinking maybe nope this because uh, you, you did say that slams uh, from incurred during these these little runs will carry over into the next uh, run. But then I reread my abilities and remembered that I not only have an extra slam box, but also I mark one style anytime I take a slam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to take this slam of shrapnel and mark my style. The five of you are going to be safe behind this rock. The Weirm will uh, fly off and leave you all relatively unharmed. But with this action of, you know, reeling in the drone and it's self-destructing, everyone has now clocked that this drone was here. Hmm. What were you all thinking? We were here. It was supposed to be a very simple playing mission. And Maeve, what the heck? What the, what, what was that? Uh, Maeve does discreetly dismiss the other Maeve, uh, hoping that Charlotte doesn't get wise to the fact that she she was uh, somewhat complicit in all of this. Um, says, I don't know. I just I saw it flying in the in the sky when the when the worm came by and I, I figured it was probably good for us to investigate closer it, it looks like we're not going to get our chance now though oh my god do you think someone's spying on the arborist this is way more important than what we were doing everyone focus on that yeah it's true it's very important that we focus on that i mean maybe they were spying on on you guys and your 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 super gridge uh crew awesome was it maybe, maybe you guys have made enemies Charlotte had been sort of crouching everyone was sort of huddled behind the rock and she just like very angrily stands up for some reason I've been picturing her wearing like a little bit of a poncho in here <laughs> um and she brushes it aside and she pulls out a, a little s- cylinder and it expands into a large electrified bow staff she like slams it on the ground she's like this was supposed to be a simple surveillance mission all of you troublemakers were under my guidance and we were just gonna go look for a turbo entrance bud it's not even blooming it's not even supposed to be a cool time how did you cause so much trouble yeah we are both very disappointed in the three of you charla and i could not be more disappointed maybe i absolutely saw the second one of you oh (laughs) but i appreciate that you did stay by my side and help untie my shoes there will be more time to go over all of this spying and other stuff once we get back to the temple all right i want everybody in lockstep right behind me we are going back home she uh, swats Zeslo's ass and gives him a little zap. Yeah. Uh, okay, fine, I'm going. Yeah, okay, Ow. we're coming. Yeah, fine. okay. And Maeve follows along, kind of, kind of nods approvingly at Charlotte, like, "Way to, way to take charge." Uh, Maeve, before you turn around and head back, uh, I just wanted to mention that at this point, the status of the Arborists as a faction to Gold Star Disaster has been unstable. 
uh, on the verge of changing dramatically, anything could tip it. Uh, and I think in this moment, I'm going to say, in light of you choosing to stick with Sharla, um, in spite of slug blasters of questionable reputation uh, pulling you away, I think I am going to resolve the Arborists right now and make it a plus two. Vaxia. Together, you all make your way back through Calorium, heading back towards Operablum and Lansden Tower with even more questions than answers as a result of your recon mission. Walton Wick. The many pings and tunes of the arcade machines on floor 3-4 have become familiar music for you now. You intrinsically know the layout of this place, the servers at Applebeekins know your order, and you and the GamerBot are on a first-name basis. Their designation is S2RT, or Sector 2 Recreation Technician, but you can call me Stuart! <laughs> You've just found this arcade to be a good haunt for unwinding. The people are friendly, the egg creams are tasty, and this is one of the best places for you to go to train with Carcinican. You're not alone. It's easy not to feel alone here. It's always fairly busy, and it's not hard to find someone to spar with. This time, however, your sparring partner is none other than Brabley. You and he have been sparring more often lately, and you found him to be quite a formidable opponent. As we join you now, both of your Daibokin have surged. You haven't seen Cobrakin since Daibokan, and I'll let you decide which is scarier, the rampaging rogue Daibokin or the Daibokin with a mission to take you down. <laughs> what is your Daibokin surge state? Yeah, I, I think at the moment, uh, uh, Carcinigan has surged uh, to polished form. Arthrikin, the large sort of lobster... Uh, centaurish kind of. He's, he's a big. He's like a horse-sized lobster, yes. but his top part stands up more. Right, instead of being forward like a lobster, he's kind of up. But yeah, he's he's up in in full Arthurkin form, uh, clashing with Cobrakin, claw claw to fang, going at it in the Applebeekins arena. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, which we've established. You've we've trained here before. Shell razor and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he uh, uh, lights up his larger of the two claws. It glows brilliant aquamarine and comes smashing down like a big crab hammer move up against Cobrakin. Let's get a roll to see how this goes. Oh, dang. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is just a basic weapons roll. Uh, so the chill rolls with 2d6. Uh, and I want to add a kick from the robot companion pool to just hopefully I, I think he's like doing a smash and then hoping to get a grapple with the other claw after. Ooh, absolutely. Ooh, it does not go. That's a three. A three. You fail. There is a problem. This means Cobrakin takes control. Brabley? Wow, Cobrakin, your evasion was super effective. All right, get in there with a tail strike. Uh, can you describe this tail strike? Yeah, I think uh, Cobrakin just sort of, like, leaps up into the air. Um, Sick. Oh, actually, he shoots up straight up into the air yeah. and then comes down at a diagonal uh, like a like a super kick. Um, but it's a snake, so it's just rigid, and it's it's not like a tail. The tail like forms a perfectly straight line, and then you can see the glint that it implies it's sharp. Yeah, it's like coming <laughs> down like a lightning bolt. Very good. Uh, and this strikes Arthrokin square in the center of his chest, and I think it is enough to revert him back. My carapace! 
<laughs> Way to go, Cobrakin! So you are at a severe disadvantage here. Uh, now Carcinikin is one form lower than Cobrakin, but the battle isn't over yet. Uh, the rules that are established in this particular sparring match, as with most Daibokin matches that aren't, you know, illicit underground tournaments, are the first Daibokin to revert back to proto-form loses. So for your case, that would be Scampykin. Carcinikin is in primary form, so you're still okay, but on uneven footing. Oh, goodness, Walton. Cobrakin's just too agile. We might need to take a faster approach. I think you're making a good point there, Carcinikin. Let's try surging up again. Okay, great. Uh, so I think there's a bit of scampering. Carcinikin is sort of leaping past uh, Cobrakin's strikes, trying to get closer to Walt so he can use his Daibovice to... to uh, Power up and surge again. I'm picturing Carcinikin like bouncing up and down. Like it's it's Bowser in the clown car for me where he like bounces mm-hmm. around and he's like bouncing around with his like pointy tail. <laughs> That's what's in my brain anyway. Liam, feel free to override me. <laughs> tail strike, tail strike, keep them coming. Uh, and yeah, Carcinikin manages to scuttle back and forth, uh, uses some bubbles to project through the air and gets close enough to Walt uh, to surge up. Uh, he pulls out his Daiba Vice and holds it forward. Uh, and it begins glowing with uh, sort of the more sinister purple light that we've seen before. Carcinikin mm-hmm. uh, is enveloped in this purple hue, and we go again to that that 3D spinning disc yes. sort of realm. Yeah, we're here. Carcinikin, that is surge to Alphadekin, and he grows up into the very large. I think I described it kind of like the Leviathan from Disney's Atlantis before. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. very much influenced by sort of the gothic aesthetic applied over top of a pistol shrimp. And he's got one huge claw that acts like kind of like a rail gun, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, with, but with bubbles. It's Daibokin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, let's get a roll for Alphadekin's next move. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> marking off 2d6 from that turbo pool, so I'll be rolling 4d6. Okay. And that is a six. All right. So this move will strike true. Uh, Describe what happens. I think as Cobrakin is still tail striking toward Alphadekin, it enacts the ability of the inertial vortex, uh, which you roll to subtract momentum from a room-sized area around you, slowing down nearby enemies and objects. Uh, So Alphadekin calls out, Buoyant Basin! And an emanation of this purple energy ripples out from its form, and Cobrakin slows down just enough uh, that Alphadkin charges up a huge purple bubble blast and sort of envelops it whole inside a long, tubey bubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, uh, in, rather than sh- firing the bubble forth, it kind of unhinges the lower portion of the claw and makes it like a big, long bubble wand and sort of swipes up over top of it, <laughs> enveloping it in this purple bubble that just sort of like slowly saps its energy and sinks it back down to the ground. Very good. And uh, by the time you have like sunk it back to the ground, uh, it has now reverted to Viperkin. You are very close to uh, finishing this battle, I think. One more roll will cinch it. Oh, uh, Viperkin! Uh, that's all right, buddy. You can still do it! <laughs> I will do my best, Bradley. Thank you for believing in me. I believe in you, Viperkin. You have my whole heart. And then he does a little heart pose, like he puts his arms up, like the YM, like the M and YMCA. 
Thanks. And this is all like par for the course for a Daibokan fight. If you off in the distance, there's kids doing like the same thing. In fact, Wolton, this is starting to set off alarm bells because Viperkin also like makes a little heart heart shape in his body. And you're starting to see that the power of friendship is going to give (laughs) Viperkin more power. So you need to act now before he gets motivated to defeat you. Uh, I think as uh, Alphakin had sort of swept upward to do this big grand uh, in bubbling, uh, he's now poised up in the air, focusing the large claw back down. It begins glowing with the purple energy, and he calls out, Benthic Blast! And it fires almost kind of like a continuous laser. Uh, of purple energy tearing across the field toward Viperkin, and I will make the roll for that because I forgot I was making an attack. <laughs> yeah. I'll take a dare to add another d6 to this. All so righty. I will be rolling 3d6 no kick. There's a six there. All right, this is the finishing blow. Describe this maneuver. Uh, yeah, as this purple energy just comes tearing across the field, uh, it does actually look like it's ripping up the floor, but it's one of those things where uh, it's kind of like in the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh, where they have it's all just like on a hollow stage, so it looks like there's all this damage happening, but it's all just data being inputted, so it's like mm-hmm. animating all this ground being torn up at the time, and it's like oh, nothing's actually happening. Oh yeah, but- <laughs> like th- these Daibokin battles from the inside looks like severe property damage is done, and then the moment you leave, it just resets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's tearing up, it's coming across, and despite the, the that <laughs> Vibrigan sitting there with the little heart shape, they are then just like enveloped by the bright purple light at the center of this laser blast, and you just see the silhouette of that slowly fade away as it sort of shakes and the, the screen is filled with the light. <laughs> and Adderkin emerges as the light fades. Aw, oh, good try, Adderkin. Come on back into your Daibo vice. We'll, we'll get him next time. And Adderkin uh, uh, goes back into the Dipovice. Now, before uh, you're able to call back Alphadekin and you and Bradley have a moment to, you know, uh, to have a post-game debrief, good game, uh, fist bumps, those kinds of things, um, mm-hmm. something actually happens here. Uh, Alphadekin is uh, surrounded by a glow, you know, he surged to polished form once, reverted, surged again, and has let off quite a, a flurry of attacks. So he's been expending a lot of his energy here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's surrounded by this sort of gothic purple light that is sort of a uh, trademark of Alphadekin. And then the light kind of like changes color and lightens, and you see the silhouette uh, dip back down to Carcinikin. Then you see it start to get smaller again, as if, you know, he's just exhausted and just needs to spend some time as Scampykin for a while. Mm. Uh, and uh, it starts to get a little bit smaller, and you start to sort of see the silhouette of, of Scampy in there. And then the light kind of surges and gets brighter to the point that you kind of can't look at it. Uh, and can't really see a silhouette because it's just that bright, so you have to look away. And then when you look back, there's Carcinican. Whoa. Hey, bud, what's what's going on? What was that? I don't really know. I wasn't (laughs) given any preparation for this particular plot beat. (laughs) Uh, At this moment, uh, as as this is happening, uh, Bradley is walking from his side of the the Daibokin arena over to you, uh, Adderkin, uh, safely tucked away in the Daibovice. 
why isn't your Daibo King going back into the Daibo Vice? And, and why isn't it reverting? I don't know. I, Carcinican, yeah, you you almost got back to protoform, bud. What, what's, what's happening? I, I'm not certain. I, 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 something didn't quite feel right. Uh, and it occurs to you, Walton, as you're looking at Carcinikin, that that's the first time you've seen him, you assume, try to revert back to Scampykin in a long time. In fact, ever since Carcinikin has been Carcinikin, he's been Carcinikin. He hasn't been Scampykin again. Walton, I, I don't know that I can revert back any further. Oh, that's really strange, Walton. It should be reverting back. I, I mean... Like, unless you're all of Fraxinus, who's who's trained that out of her Daibokin, there's no reason you shouldn't be transforming back into protoform. Wait, Olive, Olive's been doing what? Well, like, she, she's the best, so she's figured out how to do this, but like, I don't know, maybe you're, something's wrong with your Daibo vice. Huh. Well, the, thanks for the, the match today, Bradley. I I think maybe I should just head home and, I, I don't know, I can try and do some run some updates or tinker with it. Um. Sure, because yeah, there is... Definitely something fucked up about your Daibo vice. That that shouldn't be happening. That's part of Kindred Tech. Whoa, bud. No need for harsh language here at Applebeacons. Please mind your language. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just Stuart uh, gives me a hard time for that every day. Oh. Uh, I'm not just a kid, I'm growing up. I, I hear other kids say these words. I want to try them off a size. <laughs> you know what? Correct. I'm, I'm, I'm a latchkey kid. No one told me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. So much more backstory on Brown. They uh, <laughs> inoperate them. They're called card swipe kids. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. That's all right, Bradley. You know, sometimes there are places that words can get used, and other times it's just not appropriate. But you'll learn that there's the right time for everything, bud. <laughs> Thanks, Walt. You're a friend and a mentor. Goodbye. Okay, gives, gives him a pat on the back, and then he sends his uh, uh, hovering uh, hollow brim spinning around his hat as he goes away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, yes, Bradley uh, uh, leaves. Uh, and Wolf, that Daibokin battle looked so cool. Marcus style. Oh! On the house. Uh, you make your way to uh, floor 303, where your apartment is. Uh, you get there, you get in, and it's a very familiar scene, as always. Uh, the room is dark, and you see the flashing red light of the voicemail. Uh, Walt walks up, he places his Daibo vice, uh, which he had uh, brought Carcinikin back into on the kitchen table. He presses the play button on the answering machine and heads over to the fridge. As you head to the fridge, the first voicemail is from your father. Hey, this message is for Walton Wick. Uh, This is your father, (laughs) Winchell Wick, and uh, just giving you a message. Uh, Your mother was supposed to be there with you today. However, there was a big old sale down at the skin replacement spa, and you know her. She had to take advantage of it. Uh, Just make sure when you see her, do not point out the swelling. It will affect her for a long time, so... (laughs) Um, and I'm not there because I got a big old call from the bosses up top to join them for uh, watching a match down at the Knackers Row. Let me tell you, champ, it's wild watching these things. Uh, you know, like there was a match between uh, a giant marshmallow and it was taking on a, a grizzly bear clawed mega tiger, uh, <laughs> which is just... Uh, you, whatever you're thinking, it was wrong. It is it is just a giant tiger with a bunch of bears for each claw. And um uh, and but and you would imagine that the they would focus on like with a lot of swipes, but no, it's you gotta watch out for the gun. Um <laughs> 
Uh, the voicemail beeps, and then the next voicemail plays, and it's just Winchell continuing. Anyways, it was really disappointing to see how that marshmallow just uh, killed the the the, the mega tiger <laughs> because you couldn't really see anything. Anyways, uh, all this to say, uh, you know, once again, if you need to. <laughs> Charge for the meal. Uh, it's all taken care of. I uh, hope you're doing all right, kid. Uh, how's it going with the uh, with the diboblins or whatever they're called? Anyways, hope they're good. Hope you're keeping them alive. Uh, those things are expensive. Um, anyways, uh, appreciate you. Uh, well, I'll see you at the uh, next quarterly meeting. All right. Oof. <laughs> 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 Uh, the, the voicemail, uh, beeps, and usually that's when you expect it to be done, and then, you know, you take your food and go to your room. As you're about to leave the kitchen, however, another voicemail starts. And don't overthink it if you've already heard another person voice this character. Hello, Walton. I hope you're doing well. I'm calling to check in, as I've been a little concerned about you. See, you haven't been spending as much time with your friends lately, and I wanted to make sure, for the sake of your own well-being, that you check in with your friends. After all, friendships are so important, and the promises you make to your friends are important. I'll be following up in the next few days to make sure you're still well. I might have a favor to ask at that time, and I hope you'll be in a position to honor it. After all, I am your friend. Beep. Hello there, Gold Star listeners. It's me, Lena, your Slugmaster Game Blaster. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Quantum Kickflip. If you're enjoying Quantum Kickflip, please tell a friend. Please leave a five-star review. It would mean the world to us. You can support us by following us at Quantum Kickflip on social media, where we post new episode updates, audiograms, and more. You can also support us by subscribing to Quantum Kickflip on Patreon. For just $2 a month, you can join the Shredder tier and get access to all new episodes of Quantum Kickflip two days early. And for just $5 a month, you can join our Ultranaut tier, which gets you early access plus exclusive bi-weekly bonus content, including outtakes, interviews, deep dives, and even more outtakes. So many outtakes. It's uh, Castle Vaughn, suck your blood. <laughs> uh, no, that's not the name of it. Oh. <laughs> I've said this before and I'll say it again, Michael. Stop reading my notes. Uh. I've been editing too much because my brain just now is like, okay, everyone stop laughing at the same time so I can transition into the next biddies. You don't, don't everyone carry out your laughs to different degrees. This is going to be a nightmare to edit. <laughs> to listen to all of the wonderful bonus content we have to offer, head to patreon.com slash quantum kickflip and subscribe today. I'd like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. You can learn more at amaas.ca. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the start of a brand new run on Wednesday, November 8th. Let's get you back to the action.
life's pinnacle. Your heart is racing, and your skin feels like it's been electrically charged. No doubt thanks to the steroid that the Pinnacle Project injected into you. You are surrounded by a deep orange fog that burns your nostrils. The same fog, in fact, that engulfs the surface of Operablem. Disconcertingly, the fog has raised up again. It had previously been reported to only rise up to about 1.5, but now it doesn't clear up until 1.59. Programmed into your hard light board are improved diagnostic tools that will, hopefully, allow you to see further into the fog. You're not alone. Next to you, a look of grim resolution on her face, is Sequence. The two of you were tasked by the Pinnacle Project to go as far down into the fog as possible to see how well your diagnostic tech would perform at lower levels. You weren't explicitly told to stick together, but Sequence has made a point of not leaving your side as you descended. You are currently at floor 159. As you descend into the fog, we will get rolls to see how far down you go, but there will be a danger track. Fog. If you mark all three spots on the danger track, you will get overwhelmed and will need to return. So let's see how far you're willing to go. I appreciate your resolve to stick by me, Sequence. I This is a lot more fun with someone by your side, and this is no fun at all. They didn't explicitly tell us to stick together, but they also didn't explicitly tell us not to, and I agree, it's more enjoyable paired up. I concur. Likewise. <laughs> careful folks this conversation's getting heated <laughs> um even at this level at 159 this is burning my nostrils i don't think we're going to get the diagnostic read they want if we don't go lower but if we to use the colloquial term uh raw dog it down a couple <laughs> lines <laughs> we I'm not familiar with this colloquialism. Please explain. Oh, it just means taking on something with a uh, little uh, to ease the uh, any potential uh, uh, friction or complication mm, um, okay. as you descend into a, a tumultuous territory. <laughs> Imagine a web protein tube and that you are consuming it without the uh, requisite gluten bun. <laughs> mm, that would be troublesome. I was going to say raw dogs are creatures that live in the fog of Operablem. <laughs> They're just dogs without skin. That's all yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they arrived at the slang term raw dog that means the same thing, yeah. but they arrived at it in a very different yeah. way than we did. <laughs> We're all having a great time. They're stone faced discussing this. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that we can get deeper into the fog without having to experience the effects of traveling through the fog, at least in this stairwell. I am going to fashion my hard light board into a series of propellers using my energy lattice, and I'm going to vent all of the toxic fog, the orange fog, upward uh, so that we can uh, breathe easy on our descent down nine-ish floors, and then once we're down there, of course, we will have to subject ourselves to the ills of this fog, but at least the trip down, he smiles at uh, Sequence a little bit, will we'll be pleasant. Uh, sequence th thinks this over and is like, isn't the whole point of the mission to experience the effects of the fog by by mitigating it, aren't we going directly against Webb and the Pinnacle Project's intended purpose of this mission? Oh, we, we will be subjected to the fog once we get nine floors down. Our diagnostic gear will have more than enough data to read, but I'm not putting up with this walking down to where we need to be. We're they wanted us on floor one five. We're on 159. I'm I'm not breathing this crap in until we get down to where we need to be. Oh, uh, 
I, I apologize if you misunderstood my uh, my observation as a as a protest. I I'm in favor of the plan. I just wanted to note the the rebellious nature of our activity. Oh, <laughs> I suppose I've found a bit of a loophole, haven't I? Uh, and she smiles at you. <laughs> Initiate energy lattice. Y axis. Propeller blades. Let's get a roll. He's kind of showing off, so I think uh, he's going to use his his attitude. Describe how your smarts might help with his action. You found a loophole. That's smarts. I added D6. Uh, two twos. Two twos. You fail and there's a problem. Hmm. May I make an offer? Mm-hmm. The plan was to vent all the, the, the smoke that's around us up and out to clear nine floors of, of walking. I think he sucks up even more toxic fog from even lower level. Like, he ends up venting the whole stairwell. Oh, yep. So, yeah, you're not actually going to get any closer to 1-5 with this maneuver. You're a little bit overwhelmed by the fog and kind of lose track of of where you are. Um, You're maybe on floor 157. And, unfortunately, this does mark one spot on the danger track of fog. You have two spots left. (coughs) <coughs> sequences similarly hacking and coughing um and i think you know th- this is a problem we're getting overwhelmed by this we need to get out of this stairwell um i think she runs to the the doorway on the nearest level um kind of abandoning the plan of getting any lower and just trying to get out of this particular space I- i'm picturing like big heavy reinforced door maybe with that like skinny rectangular window you know that you know the, oh, the type yeah, yeah. of like yeah um, I think she tries the door, shoves the door when it when it doesn't open, it's clearly locked or secured or whatever. They're not supposed to be able to get out on this floor. Uh, she smashes the window uh, and maybe maybe hurts herself a little in the process, but uh, barges through this door and grabs Helix's hand like, come on, we need to find another way. <coughs> uh, we, we crash our way through this glass, you know, glass yeah. chunk of the door. We're now on this other, this, you know, floor 157. The, mm-hmm. the fog is thick the way it always was, but at least it's not thick the way I made it in this yeah. chamber. I'm yeah. imagining like almost like a, like a parking garage, kind of like just like yeah. Yeah, yeah, industrial, yeah. you know, openness. Very little is left behind on these yeah. lower floors. Things have been salvaged as much as possible so the towers can continue to build up. Maybe yeah. a couple of big slime pipes that go straight up through the floor as mm-hmm. like coming from a higher floor to a lower floor. Kind oh, that's of thing. a cool that's aesthetic it. too. If you think of like the Blade Runner 2049, like yeah. orange, oh, yeah, the color- but then there's just glowing green tubes in the middle of it. Yeah. Like the, or- that's the two colors you can see orange in this space. Yeah. yeah, orange and green. Ugh, okay, well, I, I apologize for my uh, foolhardy choice there. It, it I didn't I didn't really- think through the consequences of my action. I should know more about airflow and and gas patterns. My apologies. The plan itself was was solid. Uh, you couldn't have anticipated how that would play out. Uh, and as she's talking, she uh, is, is picking little... I imagine she just like broke the window and then was able to reach through and like open the door from the other side. Yeah. Um, but she's got... She's picking little uh, shards of glass out of her hand and is maybe like like road rashy kind of like she's not bleeding out or anything, but she's she's... Uh, vuxed up her hand pretty good. Mm-hmm. And like sequence, I mean, Helix wouldn't know this unless sequence makes it known. Uh, the fog stings it. Ooh. It's like rough hand sanitizer in that. Yeah. Anyway, should we look for an alternate means of descent? Perhaps I'm pushing my luck with the unconventional ways of shortening the amount of time we spend down here. But uh, if you look uh, about 
50 meters ahead, there seems to be a giant opening in the floor. Perhaps we could rappel down uh, however many floors this allows us and then just let gravity do the work. Uh, Sequence looks a little rattled by that, like kind of peers over the drop and is like, steals herself a little bit and gulps and is like, I'll go where you go. Okay. Uh, And I obviously not gear that's in my equipment regularly, but I think a basic recoiling, you know, synthetic rope on a carabiner is not an unreasonable thing to take. to. Oh, yeah. I'd I'd give you like a a grappling hook kind of situation that has been given to you by the Pinnacle Project so that you can rappel down. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Helix fastens both of their sort of like grappling attachments. It's not, you think grappling hook, you think like Batman firing it. Mm -hmm. It's you affix it to something and then you can rappel down and use it to recoil up. Same kind of technology the sword sliders use to like come down. Yeah. Um, Yeah, these are, (laughs) it's, it's, yeah. It's it's built into every, they're as common as carabiners are in our world. It's just Mm -hmm. a carabiner with the rappelling rope on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I've uh, I've affixed them here to the the most secure object I can find. Let's say we rappel. All right. How far are you looking to get down? Seven floors. Let's get a roll. Can I use techno babble just in explaining to her the history of the sword sliders uh, carabiner technology? Uh, yeah. And he's, he's, it's less that it's actually relevant and more of him reassuring her this is a good idea and also trying to be like, look at all the things I know about the world. Aren't I a smart guy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you're saying that even though the sword sliders primarily uh, operate out of Kindred Tower, the the technology they use is is actually web proprietary technology? Fascinating. Well, I mean, uh, a good idea transcends towers. Uh, the, 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 you've heard of meme theory, the idea that, Good ideas germinate and spread and propagate. Uh, and, and there's a number of inventions we use in everyday operable in life that started in one tower that you wouldn't believe started in the other. I uh, may have to re-examine some of my biases. My, my favorite example. And they're like slowly repelling yeah. as they do this and coughing. And like, <laughs> it's a reverse Adam West Batman. <laughs> they're descending <laughs> down the side of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, for, for example, a number of the uh, automated tool robots that exist in Lansden are lubricated with slime sourced from some of the lower levels of web dating back hundreds, if not thousands of years. The entire 200 set of floors were founded on the slime trade between the two towers. Uh, or, or, or for example, the uh, interface, you know, when you go to uh, uh, save a log on any kind of kindred robot, Right. Uh, that's actually that little icon. It, it refers to uh, the docu- <laughs> the shape of documents on Lansden Tower. Oh, I always wondered what that was supposed to represent. Yeah, it's a little before our time, but uh, it's just one of those neat facts that you know. Oh, okay, we're here. We're here. We're at the bottom. <laughs> or are Or you? are we? I got to roll still. <laughs> I got a five. Mixed success. Uh, also, Technobabble gets you a style. Hell yeah. So you <laughs> do manage to repel your way down to floor one five. I'm picturing this as kind of being a bit of a, an open tunnel that kind of like goes all the way up and all the way down kind of as far as you can see, which is not very far uh, given how opaque this fog is. Activate diagnostic equipment. And you do. And it starts to sort of scan the area around you and you sort of start to get uh, almost like an x-ray vision kind of sense of the the space that you're in. You kind of get some heat signatures. It's collecting data on the fog, you know, the toxicity level of the fog and and things like that. And then it's uh, ping something above you. 
like it looks almost like a, a weird heat signature that's kind of weirdly brighter than everything else because you know nothing down here is warm mm-hmm. and you look up and these heat signatures get closer and closer and this is the complication to your mixed success before you can properly comprehend what is happening Three figures have descended on you and Sequence, and you are both grappled. Two of them are on you, pinning either arm, and one of them has got Sequence in sort of like a full Nelson kind of lock. And these came down through the hole? Yep. From what you can see, they are uh, clad head to toe in uh, protective equipment. Looks to be Lansden make. Uh, You know with your history of the Three Towers that Lansden residents tend to come down into the fog the most, uh, you know, to try and like collect data on it, uh, check why their purifiers are failing again, that that kind of thing. Um, so they have the best hasware for this kind of thing. And these three are decked out in Lansden hasware. And they are grabbing you, grappling you. And then one of them uh, reaches, they've got like these hard uh, pouches uh, affixed to their protective gear as well. One of them reaches into one of the pouches and pulls out a needle. What do you do? So I know it's generally meant as like, I've already taken the slam and I do it, but I'm going to activate flicker switch. Avoid a physical slam by marking one turbo. You blink out of existence for a second. What does it feel like? Uh, yeah, I'll allow it. Uh, so mark a turbo. Uh, for a moment, these two are grabbing nothing. And they are confused for a moment, and then they both seem to move to sequence. Uh, and as they are moving to her, you blink back into existence. So you are no longer grappled. They are moving to sequence. One of them still has that needle in hand. Hell yeah. I've never actually got to use this because we don't do a lot of like classic combat, like D&D style combat. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to use uh, the photon exciter. Roll to damage things you grind, slide, ollie over, or just smack with your board. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's gonna just like pick up his board like a big baseball bat. In fact, he even he goes, activate photon exciter, bat shape. Uh, and it ends up looking like a big cricket bat where he's got a handle <laughs> sticking out of the end of the board. And then the whole rest of the board is the paddle he's going to yes. like whack him with. And I'd like to add two kick to hit all three of them like a, a like a Three Stooges cartoon where I'm just like, dunk, 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 like <laughs> a Three Stooges sketch. Like, dunk, dunk, dunk. Amazing. Let's get this roll. But only one die about it. Only one die. Oh, uh, I can't. I have nothing that I can give him, right? No, There's nothing sorry. I can do. Oh, my God. That's all right. I believe in the dice today. Ooh. What is it? That's the worst. It's a possible roll. So, Helix, your board is made of light. Mm-hmm. It is casting light. It is not a very subtle attack that you are doing. Yeah. So I think they see it pretty quickly. And the two people that were on you before kind of whip around. And one of them kind of steps in close before you're able to get any momentum with your hit. And blocks your attack and kind of pins your hard light board under their arm. Mm-hmm. And the other person... Uh, while you've got both hands, uh, they rush in with the needle and it looks like they're about to get you. Can I make an offer for uh, the, the problem in addition to the failure? Mm-hmm. Uh, sequence jumps in the way of the needle. Shit. She takes that injection, whatever. I have no idea what it is, but whatever it is, she puts herself between Helix and, and the needle and, and takes the injection. Okay. Sequence uh, jumps in front of you and it's... Uh, Everything is very sort of up close, um, but it's also very fast. It's very messy. You see this needle embed in her neck, 
but you don't see the syringe depress because it was already depressed. You see this person start to pull and this person is drawing blood from sequence. What do you do? Helix is like not having any of this. He can see what's happening. He's got sequence. No, I'm, I'm not going to learn my lesson. <laughs> I'm going to try again. I'm going to do the double dare for the two kick. And I want to hit all three of them again. Oh, Jesus. Um, Liam. I'll, I'll use it. I'll use a DC, I'll use a turbo. So I'm now fully okay, out of turbo. Okay. But I think this time on your sheet. instead of a, a bat, he's going to kind of go for more of like a flail and really just try to like wail on these guys head. So the board now just has this floppity uh, ball on a chain. Um, <laughs> it's more like a big paddle because I always like to keep it everything 2D with this yeah, yeah, yeah. hard light. Um, but it is on a fairly uh, non-rigid kind of rope. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to take Double Dare, which I got from Brinley oh so long ago, which lets me take uh, marking two trouble for either 2d6 or two kick. I'm going to take the kick again. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I can try to hit all three of them. and But I will add the last turbo I have available for a d6. I'm rolling with 2d6 to wail on all three of them with like a flail instead of one big bat. As Helix is doing the sequence, it's like, Helix, run, get get away while there's time. I rolled two dice. One was a one. Oh God. But one was a six. Let's <laughs> go. Take them out. Whack, whack, whack. And he just like pulls his hand up over his head and swings down like a whack-a-mole and the flail hits the one. And then as quick as his muscular arms can, back up over his head, down on the next one, back up over, down, like chop, chop, chop. Hits all three of them, uh, hopefully concussing them, uh, but obviously not too late to get, you know, obviously Sequence has has had her blood drawn. Helix, you handily strike down uh, these three assailants. They sort of crumple. Uh, clearly, you are a force to be reckoned with as you wind back and strike them with your hard light board, which is glowing even brighter with the use of the photonic cider. It's almost lighting up the room with how brightly it is glowing. And in the glow of this hard light attack, go ahead and mark a style. You look pretty cool right now. Sweet. Marked. Uh, they all uh, crumple uh, and then start scrambling away from you. One of them sort of stops and starts scrambling forward again. And you look down and see that they have dropped the syringe. However, I'm going to spend a bite. Yeah. And this bite that I spend will carry over into the next run. Sure. To advance your danger track. Oh, no. You have one spot left. You can take sequence and get out. Yeah. You can try to grab the syringe. Grabbing the syringe is going to be a roll. What do you do? Uh, I have exhausted all of my turbo. They have attacked me and my friend. Uh, we are in nasal pummeling, eye-watering toxic fog, uh, and I'm holding on to a recoiling rope carabiner system. Mm -hmm. uh, Helix recognizes that he should probably grab that, but safety is his primary concern. Uh, and uh, recoils away. Okay. You zip up the seven floors, uh, uh, racing through this fog, and because of the tunnel-like nature of where you are, this sort of open concept area that has been carved out of these lower floors, you are able to, kind of Batman grappling hook style, shoot your hook up seven more floors and rappel up, and you are able to repeat this process until you make your way back to floor two. 
sequence. I, I'm I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Are you are you okay? I seem to be. I just. I, why, who was that? Why? What did they want with my blood? Is that is are, was this an attack on the Pinnacle Project? Are they trying to replicate our findings? Are they? Who was that? They were in Lansden gear, but I I couldn't see their faces any more than you. They could be Lansden forces. They could be people with Lansden tech. I, I I don't I don't know anymore. But I'm I'm I'm. Whatever they got from you, they got, and I'm sorry that they violated you in that way. And and you know how the Pinnacle Project feels about us letting our DNA out into the 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 operable at large. I can I can handle the consequences. I'm just I'm glad you're okay. I I didn't know what was in that syringe. I, well, I mean, it turns out nothing, but I I'm just I'm glad you're okay. Just then. You hear a uh, pleasant woo, uh, whatever sound web elevators make, uh, and the the elevator doors open, and a team of doctors and scientists from the Pinnacle Project pour out. Uh, the one who is uh, uh, the front runner of this team um, is not Ginevra uh, Helix, but you do recognize this person as basically the Ginevra 2 sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this uh, scientist rushes forward. Um, the, behind him, there are uh, people with uh, stretchers uh, with like IV equipment and stuff, and they start sort of ushering you to uh, these stretchers uh, headed by this doctor. Clear the path, clear the path. I need to see the specimen. (laughs) 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 What does this doctor look like? Uh, So this doctor, he strides forward. He's wearing a slate gray lab coat. And I don't have to speak like this when I'm... Sorry. Uh, A slate gray lab coat he has on... um, It's a set of goggles that has other lenses that rotate in and out to give different levels of magnification. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and he's got a, a bristly little mustache. Sequence what occurred down there? We performed our mission within the specified parameters. Outside forces complicated our work, and you have put us into extreme jeopardy. I, 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 and he's like, he's, he's getting like kind of froth, froth at the mouth and like goes to pull back and some other pinnacle project guy like stops his fist from decking this mustachioed scientist uh they grab your fist and like pull it down to the stretcher and then strap it in and then they start like uh working to put an iv into your the vein in your arm subject helix i did not address you i was speaking to sequence go fuck yourself oh gladly what <laughs> Again, I will ask what happened down the sequence. We are aware of the outside interference, but and he pulls out a little scanner from his hip and he scans the uh, the spot where she had been stabbed by the needle up on the uh, sort of upper sh- uh, on the neck itself or like mm. shoulder area. Is like maybe it, like? closer to the shoulder area. I'm picturing. Yeah. It appears a 25 gauge needle, 1.3 inches deep. Goodness, how much did they extract? I didn't take a measurement. Of the blood that was being forcibly pulled from my neck as it was being pulled from my neck. It looked about half full. Then we must run a detailed inventory once we get you back to the lab. That's 
that's your Vuxen concern? We got jumped by a bunch of Lansden pukes, and you're worried about the assets that were removed? Will someone please Are we not your assets, asshole? Subject Helix in a more agreeable state. Someone grabs uh, the where like the IV drip kind of is, and, and they have a needle, and they inject something into it. I told Geneva that this would occur. There is nothing but trouble with this boy. Helix, is, it's it's fine. I I'll I can handle it. It's fine. You you want fucks in trouble, pal? I'll give you fucks in trouble. I'll show you uh, how, how much trouble you, you're gonna. I'm an asset. You're an asset hole. <laughs> and Helix, uh, you hear this doctor continuing to speak very clinically and coldly about you and your friend. You hear sequence trying to reassure you, and your vision starts to swim, and then it goes gray, and then it goes dark. The overly sterilized air filtering through your breath mask dries out your mouth every time you inhale. Fuchsia sand drifts in lazy rivers, driven by the wind that whistles constantly in your ears. You've been hoverboarding along a dust-covered road, making your way to the range of coordinates in your phone for a very special interdimensional pickup. You're alone. The shimmering mirage that danced on the horizon begins to sharpen as you get closer to it, turning into a low, dilapidated building several light posts and signs sticking out at various angles, and a graveyard of buses, half-buried by the sand. A pile of junked vehicles forms a tangled jungle of hot steel and plastic. Your phone pings, and the coordinates tighten to a single point, directing you to a single bus, where you realize the package must be waiting. What do you do? I feel like she moves towards the bus. So yeah, these buses are like fully missing windows and doors, very skeletal, uh, similar with the building. I think a corner of it is kind of crumbled away. And the specific bus where your coordinates are leading you is kind of tangled in with this maze of junk and vehicles and old benches. Uh, it's like if instead of gutting Trinity Municipal Park, someone just fucking trashed the place. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like between the endurance engine and the agility pin, which gives her both uh, course uh, lift, pull and push and also accuracy, she clears the rubble. Uh, and I don't think she does it like, I, I mentioned the agility pin, which is for, like, finer motor stuff, but I feel like this is more endurance engine. Just, like, no one's around. She's just going to grab stuff and whip it behind her uh, with aplomb, because <laughs> that's her style. So as you're um, uh, flinging debris every which way and speeding along in between and through these buses making your way, uh, I want to get a roll uh, just to see how uh, well and bombastically this goes for you. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Uh, all right. I will use 1d6 from my attitude. And you, you know, you know your girl's going to be doing a trick, which gets me one more d6. And I... Why not? I will also add a d6 from my gauntlet. Okay, so it sounds like we got four d6 on this roll? 
And if you succeed, you mark a style. If you fail, problems will be worse. I think the throwing of the things is the trick. I think that's the... <laughs> you're trying, like a flare bartender, you're flinging debris, it's twirling in the air. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Very okay. good. <laughs> Here we go. Holy shit. Uh, that's a four. A four is the highest of four dice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, mixed success. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna let that complication percolate in my brain, but while I do, uh, you do make your way to, uh, this bus in the center of the graveyard. Uh, you board the bus. It is not quite as buried as some of the other ones are. Some of them are just, like, fully the windows. The sand is, like, creeping in through the windows. Um, this one, at least, you can kind of, like, you can get on the bus and you're not really walking on sand, you are walking on floor. Mm -hmm. And the coordinates lead you to sort of near the back of the bus, underneath a seat, you find a box. Ooh, what does it look like? Uh, uh, nondescript black box held together by cardboard tabs. Um, okay. If you think about the kind of boxes that electronics come in. Ooh. All right. Another, uh, another job successfully uh, begun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. So you have your package. You are ready to go home. And now is the time where I'm going to put that complication in. You hear a sound. At first, it almost doesn't register because it was a sound you were making uh, quite a lot, but moments ago as you were flinging debris over your shoulder. Um, mm -hmm. But you're not the one flinging this debris at this time. Someone else is here. And as you listen even more closely, uh, you can sort of hear the footfalls and you can hear them especially well because every time whatever this is, is moving, you hear servos. What do you do? How, how did they find me? I was so careful. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah, just gonna, like, pop down behind a bus seat and kind of crane, like, maybe peek out a window, try to get a visual on this thing. Ooh, let's get a roll. Okay. Ooh, a, a high, a stealth check? That's not her forte. Not at all. <laughs> What I'll say is the success and failure of this role determines how well you can make out what the thing is. Fair. Uh, you know, I will, I will, because I got to refill that attitude from doing a trick before, I will add a d6 from my guts, because I think it's pretty gutsy to just, like, instead of just completely running away, trying to, trying to get just more scooby -Doo intel. Scooby-Doo yeah. just out the window, <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So this will be two d6. Five. With a five... I think you will see exactly what this thing is. This is a little bit of a gathering information role, so I don't want to throw too hard of a complication on you. I mm -hmm. think the complication I will give is that it's maybe closer than you want it to be. Okay. You see a humanoid-looking figure. The height and doubled forearms clue you into the fact that this must be a Thenespartian. This Thenespartian, however, is completely covered in mechanical armor, to the point that it's difficult to discern if there even is a person in there. You see compartments along the armor, presumably where weapons can be kept. A full helmet fits the contours of their head quite closely, with not much for features except for glowing purple eyes. They move with determination, and in one set of hands, they are wielding what looks to be an electrified pole axe. 
backs. As they turn away from you, you recognize a symbol emblazoned on the back of their armor. The symbol of the Arborists. I had a stupid idea and I'm gonna do it. Uh Yes! Yes! (laughs) Oh, Oh, this must be one of Maeve's friends. Hey, hello, what's what's going on? (laughs) You know, sometimes you say I have a stupid idea and I'm like, Slug Blaster, baby, you're about to do something so wicked cool. And then... For once. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta, I gotta. We established she does not have a sense of, like, mistrust at all. (laughs) (laughs) That is totally fair. This thing whips towards you, uh, makes eye contact with you in that its glowing purple eyes are locked on your eyes. uh, And then it crouches into a fighting stance and starts running towards you. What do you do? Ah, oh, oh, ah, I do not know Maeve. Um, what about, what's his name? Tarman? No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> she's gonna, uh, like, scramble up and out one of the windows. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All the while trying to, trying to appease, or like, to appeal to this, this person. Very good. I'm gonna say, I, I might just let you have this action. <laughs> uh, uh, you do manage to uh, scramble up onto the roof, um, uh, still holding the package, and, and you're, you're trying to, to talk to this, this uh, arborist, question mark? And then you see it reach into a package and pull out a dark purple orb, and it poises it to throw it at you. What do you do? Oh, I have one of those, too. I, I have two of those, in fact. <laughs> I, I will pull. <laughs> I, I will pull out one of my orbs and just be like, yeah. hey, check it out. Same orb. <laughs> We're pals, right? Oh my god! Well, it's gonna throw the orb at you. Okay, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna very much like like ah, and throw the orb at the orb so that the to try and get them to collide in the air. <gasps> Holy shit! Please roll. <laughs> <laughs> now you're not just gonna give that to me. <laughs> Hell no, this one? <laughs> uh, sure, I'll do a trick. I'll get an extra d6 from that. I think that's all I can add to it right now. Okay, so this is this is 2... Two... 2d6, baby! I, I'll throw this out there. If you want, you can add a kick for an additional effect. Good point. Actually, you know what? Now that you say that, uh, I will add a kick. I'll add a kick from my attitude. Again, she's just... She's acting on her gut instinct. I think that's that's the justification yeah, here. Yeah, very much so. Oh, that's a six, baby. Oh, very good. Okay. Uh, I, I had a table for these orbs, but again, I feel like uh, I'll describe what their orb does. Mm-hmm. You can describe what your orb does. And I will say with your six, mark a style, please. Well, thank you. Everything that happens... When these orbs collide on each other affects them and not you. Oh, amazing. I love that. So I think what their... I think the effect of their orb is very much a taser effect. Like Mm. it would send an electric current through your body and knock you prone. Okay. uh, I think this orb... Because the last one I used was, a, I believe, a portal is what we did. Yes. Uh, this is a this is more of a force field, mm-hmm. um, but it's very much a um, like video game mirror shield type force field. 
that uh, bounces back, like absorbs the energy and then shoots it back out. Brilliant. Uh, They light up with bright yellow electrical currents, uh, just like you see in like sci-fi movies, you see the little lightning bolts dance all across their body, uh, and they just like fully collapse. You see their poleaxe go out and just turn into a staff about two and a half feet long, and you have bought time to get out of Dodge. What do you do? Send a message to the temple, bye! Uh, And... (laughs) Uh, she turns around and does her thing. She's she's on top of the bus now. She's in her element. She's going to run along these buses, parkour styles, to, to get away. Oh, amazing. <laughs> uh, I think this definitely does buy you the time that you need to just, like, fully go. Your coordinates led you to the package. You do have another set of coordinates that takes you to the thin zone out of here. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were actually briefed on this. The thin zone that you're taking is actually the same one that you took the last time you were in Vestige. Oh, okay. uh, so you're going to go fairly close to the quarry. You're going to drop down a trench and then you're going to punch through this thin zone. Okay. For the drama of it all, let's get one more roll to get you out of here. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so I will uh, add a d6 from my attitude because I got to refill that when I did the trick last time. I am going to attempt a trick because, you know, I gotta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm picturing this trick is almost like an emotional regulation for Brinley. Like, hey, keep a cool head, cool head, kickflip, you got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'll, I'll add another d6 from the gauntlet, uh, which, of course, she always uses to stable her, stabilize herself as she does parkour tricks. So that's uh, 4d6. Coming at you. Holy shit. It's a four. Oh my god. (laughs) Ah. You do manage to make it to the thin zone, and this strange foe is unable to pick up your trail again. Okay. You make it to the trench. You drop, you feel that rush, you're ready this time. You were able to catch yourself the first time you went through. A couple of your uh, friends took a bit of a spill uh, punching through the thin zone. You were sort of able to right yourself, and this time you're anticipating it. Mm -hmm. As you go from free fall to skating down the hallway, at least you think you're anticipating it, but that sudden shift of gravity gets you again. And... Uh, I think I'm going to give you a slam. Again, you can write yourself, but maybe it's like a dizzy slam. Yeah, okay. And I'm going to make this complication worse. As you skid down this hallway and get your bearings, you drop the package. No! It opens, a tablet tumbles out, and the screen lights up. Please enter biometric input. Remember how Brinley doesn't have her own thumb? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, uh, yeah, she like runs over to pick it up. She's not supposed to see the inside of packages. This is not what she does. Um, but I think she does grab it by, like, I assume it has a thumb reader mm, mm-hmm. uh, with her right hand, with that thumb that is not actually hers. You do pick it up, and you are correct. You have a thumb that is not your own. And as that thumb lands on the thumb reader... The tablet opens. Ah. And this tablet contains a folder with a series of files. 
and each file is bearing a name. Deciduum Temple. Aesirium Temple. Arborist Presence in the Multiverse. Arborist Technology. Foresters. Nexus Master. Pruning. Parentheses, all caps, URGENT. Ceremonial Pruning Shears. Whoa. So, that gets her attention. Um, And I think she is drawn to Assyrian Temple. Is that the one? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is the one in Operablum. She knows that that's Maeve's temple. Um, But also, one of these things says URGENT. And that's also (laughs) also something that I think she might be interested in. I guess, do I get it? Like, do I have time to look through this or do I, is it like I have to, I have to go? Uh, There appears to be no one around. So I would like to, I think I'll open urgent, uh, pruning urgent. You open up the file labeled pruning and it is again, a few pages of information and the text that catches your eye says, in extreme circumstances, When a dimension is determined to be too dangerous or volatile to continue to coexist with the larger multiverse, that dimension may need to undergo a process known as pruning, the act of separating it from the multiverse around it. You see that uh, there's a little bit more detail into how pruning is done. It seems to be a very specific ritual. It requires a tool uh, called pruning shears. Uh, and that is like uh, blue and underlined. Uh, it clearly it links to something else. Uh, it requires manifesting the tether and then breaking the tether and then uh, filling in the reality. It can be localized. Basically, pruning can be done in a way that closes a thin zone between two portals, and that can be the extent of it. Hmm. Or if it is done to all of the thin zones that can access that dimension, then then that dimension is disconnected entirely. There is no multiversal connection. There is no slug blasting. There's no arborists. (sighs) Yeah, um... I want to look at Nexus Master. You open the file for Nexus Master and are greeted by a diagram of the exact figure that you just encountered in Vestige. The description uh, you learn from reading uh, that this is an arborist responsible for dealing with threats to the multiverse with extreme prejudice. They are highly trained in many different types of combat. Uh, they are familiar with the flow of the multiverse and use that to their advantage. And uh, the 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 diagram of the Polacks is a little embellished to look very dangerous and threatening, but only a little. <laughs> I have a feeling that maybe Shimmer isn't supposed to have this. <laughs> Brinley? Huh? And you turn around, and behind you, one of the doors to the hallway has opened. And standing in the hallway looking down at you are Hattie and Gabor. Oh, um, uh, hey, sorry, uh, I got the package, and then I dropped it, and um, it fell on the floor, and then I picked it up, but uh, it, it opened, and, and then um, I, I did read some of it, because it looked interesting. They both look horrified. 
and Gabor slowly extends his hand with the gold ring on his middle finger and says, Give it to me, Brindley. Uh, what, what, what are you doing with the arborists? They're, what do you need all this info for? You never should have looked in that tablet, Brindley. Please give it to me now. I, I didn't mean to, but also now that I have, I am under the impression that perhaps uh, your motives may be a little more untoward than I was originally thinking. Brinley, you don't know what you've done. If word gets out, there's a log on that tablet. Oh, um, well, I mean... It's been unlocked. Files have been opened. There's a log of that. He's gonna know. Who, the, the arborist guy? What arborist guy? Oh, um... When I found the tablet, there was a, a guy in armor. Based on the files that I have read, I believe it is a Nexus Master, is, is the name of, of the gentleman. And um, we exchanged words and also orbs. As you say Nexus Master, Gabor brings a hand up to his mouth and takes a deep breath. And Hattie starts pacing, very small paces back and forth. And is, like, running her hands through her hair. She's like, you, the Nexus Master, Gabor, this is so much worse than we thought. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to look, but, um, what, what, what are you using this for? Like, what, why, I know I'm not supposed to ask about the packages, but I have seen it, and now I kind of need to know. Um, please? Gabor takes a moment to think about what you've asked of him. and. He says, things right now are very complex. We are trying to bring the towers together. We can't misstep. We are so close. And the arborists, this may be difficult for you to hear, Friendly, but I feel like it's too late anyway. The arborists, right now, are the main thing standing in our way. Oh, but aren't the arborists all about cooperation and, and stuff? You're friends with one, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, she goes to the temple. Um, I don't know if she's, like, practicing, but, like, definitely on holidays. <laughs> she's an arborist <laughs> in Christmas and Easter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yep. You can tell this is very sensitive information. The people that this information needs to be delivered to will not be pleased. In fact, they will be very, very upset and will stop at nothing until they know that you are not going to stand in our way. Uh, oh, um... Uh, well, you know, you know, I'm, 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 I'm ride or die shimmer, like, I, it's... And if the Nexus Master is after you, they will also stop at nothing to find you and bring you to justice. I, I, I can give, give you the tablet, um, I can put it back in the box, um, and then, then no one has to know. Oh, but you said there was a log, um, but it's also not my thumb. I'm sorry, Brindley. They know that we sent you on this delivery. I fear Operablum is no longer safe for you. Oh, um... Okay. Um, and I think, even though 
Gabor and Hattie are her contacts who have been uh, like pretty, pretty kind to her, all things considered. I still, I, I still think that Brenly, for once, is starting to understand the concept of mistrust mm. and kind of looks at the tablet in her hand and, and, and looks at them. And the basic function of the gravity blaster is zero point energy. Roll to damage things at a distance with a blast of crushing force. And I think, and I'm willing to spend kick on this, combined with the impulse rig, where you roll to, uh, among other things, give yourself a boost of speed, very much like a ninja throwing a smoke bomb. Mm-hmm. Brinley whips the tablet at Hattie and Gabor crushes it with her grav gauntlet and then hightails it the other direction. Shit, okay. Yep. Damn. I think I'm going to let this off a ride without a roll. Oh. Gabor and Hattie instinctively dodge out of the way and the tablet whips uh, in a circular motion between them. And then I'm almost picturing it like as if from a sudden force from above, flattens into the ground. Uh, And you can, like, smell, like, smoky, burnt plastic as it just, like, completely gets crushed. Instinctively, again, Hattie rushes towards it. Gabor turns back, but you are already gone, rushing around the corner of the hallway and out of sight. Where does Brinley go? Brinley takes all of the back ways that she knows, and and she does. She she's she's very familiar with the towers by now, and all of all the all three, yeah, all three, um, very much the the secret ways, vents or tubes, or uh, or even just going outside. Like there, she she has her ways, and I think she does go back to her apartment, but not not the front door. Brinley, you know, hearing that Operablem isn't safe for her anymore, um, she has taken that to heart. And even though she probably could have asked Gabor and Hattie to help her hide, uh, given that they, you know, know how to make people disappear, etc. Um, but she she made her choice and she it just sort of is is panicked, looking looking around her room, grabbing like I think that's what she slides into like a window into her bedroom mm-hmm. um and and grabs whatever she can uh extra clothes like a water bottle or something like a granola bar or like a protein bar it's a it's a protein granola bar extra quinoa <laughs> right <laughs> and then I think the last thing she grabs is one of the sweet valley high books that she brought for her sister mm. and like leaves a little note of like had to return this one Davney. Sorry, XOXO, Brinley. Um, and and she and she's gone again. I think kind of instinctively, she moves towards Trinity Municipal Park. Yeah, that is the the way out. Even though there are thin zones all over Operablem, that that's always you know traditionally the one she's gone to. And she knows that if she tries to contact Gold Star Disaster on the Nexo Chat, Shimmer is watching. There, it's not. It may be secure from the towers, but there's no way it's secure from Shimmer. Yeah. And so she she does all she can think to do and takes like the co- the blank copyright page out of the Sweet Valley High book hmm. and grabs a pen and writes, 
Hey everyone. I have to go. I'm really sorry. Please don't follow me, it's very dangerous. Don't trust Shimmer. Don't trust the Arborists. Sorry, Maeve. Take care of each other. XOXO. Brinley. Uh, and she stashes it in the little hidey hold where they put the uh, friction coils that they had uh, gathered so many runs ago. You stash the note. There is still one of the six friction coils you found that day in Vestige, safely tucked away in that hiding place. The other five, of course, were distributed amongst the five of you. You stash it away, replace the tile. The fountain looks immaculate. You look around Trinity Municipal Park one last time, and then you turn towards the thin zone that you know will take you to Prismodia. And before you punch through, you hear, Brinley, wait. And you turn, and you see Hattie rushing towards you. And she says, If you need to go, we want to make sure that you don't have to come back. Oh. Oh. And for the first time in her life, Brinley makes an inference based on uh, a cryptic... Cryptic information. <laughs> Hattie holds out her hand and says, If you're wondering how I was able to find you, it's your coil. It leaves a pretty big signature when you have way more nega friction than you can possibly use. Either give it to me now, or promise me you'll ditch it. I'll ditch it. You promise. Absolutely. Okay. There's one other thing. The matter of your tether. Yeah. Hattie reaches into a bag at her side, pulls out a sheathed, curved dagger with the symbol of the arborists on the sheath and on the pommel. Are you ready? Yeah. She pulls the dagger out, raises it above her head, and says, breathe. And then she brings it down in one smooth motion, and you feel... The slice of it move through you, but not through your body, through you. And as you continue to breathe through this, not pain, but pain feeling, and then this cold feeling, you suddenly can feel the heartbeat of the multiverse and of Operablum. You feel the connections between the dimensions like veins carrying blood through a body. You feel each individual part. You feel their importance, their connection to each other. You do feel a little bit of sickness. There is something here in Operablum. You know without thinking about it that it's not irrevocable. It's not something that can't be stopped or mitigated. But you do know that it is there. And you feel, for the first time, <laughs> it's so strange, you didn't know it was there until it was gone. But there was always that connection. Back to Operablum, back to Lansdon Tower, back to your apartment. And for the first time, you feel that that was there, because you feel that that is gone. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, indeed. Um, I, I think Brinley, um, without really thinking about it too hard, uh, gives Hattie a hug. Hattie will hug back. I'm sorry I crushed the tablet. Um, a panicked, 
Um, thank you. Be careful. You too, kid. I'm sorry it went this way. And, uh, Brinley kind of, like, scrubs her hand across her face. She doesn't like crying. And takes a deep breath. And punches through to Prismatia. And with that, we go to our closing scene. Over the next several shifts, a series of events take place. Across the many screens of Lansdon Tower, an ad begins to circulate. It's a picture of Brinley, altered to be black and white, with a soft filter over it. The text reads, Have you seen Brinley Zerk? With a phone number along the bottom. A contingent of arborists arrive from Thenispar. The story pitched to ordinary operablins, lablins, you may call them, goes that the arborists are here for a routine check-in with the Aesirium Temple and operablum as a whole. The story begins to fall apart, however, once arborists begin to be seen patrolling the halls of the towers alongside sword sliders in full militarized garb. News breaks in Lansdon Tower. Post host has been shut down for criminal activity. Video footage plays of Arachne Jam being led out of post host in cuffs by sword sliders, while voiceovers of news anchors report that illicit goods have been traded from post host to all three towers of Operablum. Every single one of these illegal deliveries is revealed to have been made by Brinley Zerk. A public summons is issued by the arborists of Thenispar for Brinley Zerk. Shocking video footage is revealed. Brinley, standing on top of a decrepit bus in Vestiche, facing the person taking the footage. She is holding something in her hand. The video has no sound. She reaches into her pocket, pulls out a silver arborist orb, and throws it towards the camera, a look of desperation in her eyes. Electricity erupts in the frame, and the video statics out. Across the screens of every tower in Operablum, an ad begins to circulate. It's a picture of Brinley, filtered with harsh red lighting, and it even looks like her face has been altered to look like she's scowling. The text reads, Have you seen Brinley Zerk? With a phone number along the bottom. The hotline for the sword sliders. Media personalities with shiny haircuts and crisp suits argue over whether Gold Star Disaster is involved. How could they not be, some argue. Others insist that they're good kids with a mission to bring the towers together. In spite of artificially impassioned arguments, they all come to the same conclusion. With the hero of Lansdon gone, the residents of the towers collectively hold their breath as the future of Operablum hangs by a thread. Okay, and with this episode, we bid farewell to Glenna. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. It has been such a joy to tell this story with you. Thank you for having me. Um, I remember when we started this, I was like, I don't care if zero people listen to this podcast. It sounds like so much fun and I, I can't wait to do it with my friends. Um, and I, I'm sad to be leaving, uh, but it, it's it's been a hell of a ride. So thanks, Lena. And this ride absolutely would not have been as amazing as it has been uh, without you. We're going to miss you so much, but we wish you all the best. Thank you, uh, everybody, for listening. And I thank, thank you for joining us on, on this journey. And I, I hope you're excited about where everything goes next. I know I am. <laughs>